Hello, everyone, and welcome to the App Fairy Podcast. Today, I'm very excited to bring to you an interview with Caroline Ingeborn of Toka Boca. Huh? Tokoboka is the app developer that makes the very best play apps that I have seen anywhere. And in fact, honestly, if you um, have been playing apps with your children and you haven't heard of Tokoboka, I'd be very surprised. I think the last time I checked, out of the top 10 paid apps for kids in the app store, 10 of them were from Tokoboka. So they are very, um, very well respected in uh, Appland, and I'm very excited to talk with them today. In addition to their apps, Tokoboka also has a wonderful email newsletter with great parent tips and information about their apps that you can subscribe to. If you are a subscriber, you might also get a print magazine occasionally in the mail. They had a couple issues of that last year that were really fantastic. And um, they even now have a line of non-gendered clothing and accessories at Target. So they are uh, just a fantastic app company that I'm very excited to talk with today. So welcome, Caroline. Thank you, Carissa. And I like to start off my interviews with just some basic kind of factual information. So can you tell our listeners where your offices are located? Yeah, so we have uh, two offices, uh, one in Stockholm and one in San Francisco. Okay, so you've got two offices. And how many employees does Tokoboka have? Mm, so we have uh, around six, 60 uh, full-time uh, members today. Definitely the largest app developer I've talked to so far. So that makes sense as to why you guys have so many really wonderful apps. How long have you, Caroline, worked for Tokoboka? Uh, so I joined on paper in March 2013. Uh, but before that, I spent uh, roughly a year and a half uh, helping Emil and Bjorn, the two founders of the company, in sort of an advisory role. And the summer of 2012, I did something quite unusual. I went to San Francisco and worked together with Bjorn for three weeks, like um, a trial run, so to say, mm. of what it would be like. And it was just the two of us in San Francisco working very closely together. And after that uh, period, it was like, okay, we should definitely do this all the time. <laughs> and then it just took me a very, very long time to leave my previous role. So nine months later, uh, I came on board full time. Oh, wow. So you talked about having worked with Bjorn, that's Bjorn Jeffries? Yes. Yes. And he was until very recently the CEO, is that right? Yes. Okay. Yes, but, he was. And you're the current CEO? Uh, no, I'm not. I'm the uh, president and COO, and then uh, our current uh, owners, Spinmaster, uh, their co-CEO, Ronen, is working closely with the company. Let's talk a little bit about your apps. Uh, I have one of your stickers that you guys put out a couple of years ago that says, Take a Stand for Play. And it's on my laptop. And the sticker was sort of a call to action. And it's honestly strongly influenced my personal and my professional life. I do a lot of work with play at the libraries and with especially um, open-ended play and self-directed play, letting kids decide how they want to play. And I know that you guys feel really strongly about play. Can you talk a little bit about the different ways in which you um, elevate play as the main objective in your app? Uh, yeah, for us, it's uh, that is always the starting point. Asking ourselves, like, what are we going to play? 
And early on, we looked at the App Store as the toy shelf with a lot of different play patterns that we were exploring and working within. And over the years, there are really three play patterns that we found that uh, we are good at. Uh, And so we always focus on one of those three play patterns. And that is at the core of what we do. Mm. And we try to understand uh, each play pattern and where they take place uh, and follow through on that play pattern. And if we're not, uh, we regularly test with kids throughout the development process to ensure that that kids are playing uh, and that that is the uh, central objective in all of our products. Can you tell us what you what you consider the three play patterns? Yes, absolutely. So it's uh, role playing, it's uh, creative play, and it uh, is experimental uh, play. Examples maybe of our products that are within each is uh, in the role playing token, the token life series is a good example of that. In creative play, we have the hair salon uh, series. And then we have uh, the lab series, which is an example of the uh, experimental play. That makes a lot of sense. You mentioned just now about uh, testing and evaluating your apps. Can you talk a little bit about that process? How does that work for you guys? Mm, yes, we, uh, we work together with kids. We both invite kids uh, to our studio in Stockholm and our studio in San Francisco. Uh, and we uh, also go out to schools and to uh, sometimes even kids' homes. Uh, and we start very early on in our production process um, with uh, just uh, meeting with kids and, and looking at how how they are playing within a certain play pattern. So uh, we often buy in physical toys uh, within the, the, that represents the play pattern. And we try to understand, like, what is it in this play pattern that makes kids so engaged in it? What is it that makes kids go back to this toy over and over again? And when we think that we have understood what it is, then we start building a digital prototype. And then throughout the production process, we come back to kids and we test our products with kids. And so I often say that one of the uh, most difficult jobs at Tokaboka is the job of our play designers because they are carrying the vision for the product throughout the entire production process. But if you if you compare it to may, many other visionary roles uh, at Tokaboka, the play designers is at the end at the full discretion of the kids. So. Uh, the final kids' tests are often the times where uh, Emil, one of our co-founders, will call me and say, "Like, I think we need to go back and continue the development process because we just had a kids' test and we need to add these aspects to uh, ensure that it's really, really uh, fulfilling the play promise that we have for this product. And so in in the startup world, many people like to talk about minimum viable products. I often refer to our products as maximum viable products because (laughs) we don't want to go to market with anything that we do not think really uphold the quality that we uh, want all of our products to represent. 
uh, and that's the quality that we feel proud of and that we also think that kids deserve. Because, I mean, if, if, you, if you're looking for a toy and you're trying out a new toy and it's not fun, like, why would you ever go back to that toy? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that your dedication to that is really apparent in the, in the quality and in the play value and in the enjoyment that kids get out of playing your apps. I, I can totally see that. Do you ever find that there are differences in the ways that the kids in Sweden play with the apps versus the way that the kids in the U.S. play with the apps, or do you find that it's kind of universal? Mm, uh, One of the things that, uh, one of the assumptions that uh, that Emil and Björn made very early on is that we're more alike uh, when we are kids than when we're adults everywhere. So, and that there are these very old play patterns and classical toys uh, that resonates with kids all over the world. And so therefore it should be possible to uh, design the same uh, products for kids all around the world. Uh, And we have uh, on and off done kids testing in San Francisco, but we now doing it in a more structured way. And we're just in the process of finding out like are there actually big differences uh, when we do these kids testing? But I, I haven't found uh, throughout my period at Tokoboka that there is a huge difference when I see kids playing with our products in the US or in Sweden or any other country, really. And I feel like maybe one of the reasons for that is the um, the way that you've made them not language specific uh, and so there's a lot more flexibility with that would you say that's true too yeah absolutely uh, i think that enables us also to to uh, release our products to the entire world mm-hmm. at the same time and i think that it lends a, a real grace to the apps to be able to know that they are well designed enough that you don't have to have uh, a narrator to explain what's going on or um, or anything like that. So I, I really appreciate that about your apps and the fact, the fact that you're doing that not only for the very youngest users, but also for anybody of any age who uses your apps that you're, um, that you're including that capacity. Yeah, and I, I think it comes back to looking at our products as toys. Mm-hmm. Uh, few toys have any language to them when you buy them. And so why would a digital toy be different from a physical toy in that aspect? Exactly, exactly. Uh, you guys also do a really wonderful job of making your games gender neutral and very diverse on lots of different levels. Can you talk a little bit about how and why you do that? Mm, uh, yeah, it becomes, it really comes from us from a uh, belief that uh, stereotyping Uh, in toys is very limiting and we want to make products for kids not boys not girls just kids Mm -hmm. and uh, our products we start working from the uh, from the start with all products uh, being gender neutral Uh, and then over the years we have developed that into a broader sense of diversity we've tried to make it as broad as possible while still being able to take it on so just not um, addressing the most obvious things for us which are things like uh, gender skin tone hair texture and age but also things such as culture 
physical abilities, family structures, and body body shape, just to name a few. Mm-hmm. And uh, this was the central theme to our uh, annual company trip a, company, a couple of years ago. And so we've had a group internally that have uh, developed an internal way of how we look at um, how we look at diversity we, when we develop our products and our marketing. And also we have an external diversity board that we can use as a sounding board whenever we have questions around anything that we develop on the topic of diversity. This just comes from uh, our belief that kids should have the opportunity to play how they want and see representations of themselves because play uh, impacts kids' understanding of the world around them. And if we're going to be a more inclusive society, it's just important that toys and media uh, stays away from uh, stereotyping for kids. I really love that your um, that your main goal behind your testing is to find out like what parts of this are really are the kids really engaged in, right? It's not so much like what are we going to teach the kids or you know like what any of those questions that I feel like. Um, come through really strongly in in other companies apps but just this idea that like what what is it that the kids like and what is motivating to them I think that's and and where do they see themselves in the apps which motivates them to come back and play over and over and over I just think it's fantastic one last question that I like to talk about for a little while is this question of joint media engagement. It's one of the topics that I've talked about in every episode so far of the app fairy podcast and uh, I know that your apps, Took a Store, uh, Tea Party, and Birthday Party, are apps that really were designed to work best with two people playing. And so those are some, like when I try to give examples of, um, of really ideal ways to use joint media engagement, those are actually some of the ones that I like to point out. Are there other ways that the other apps that you have also encourage joint media engagement that you um, design specifically for that reason? Yeah, I think if we look at the live series, uh, what we're seeing there is that uh, kids play with it both uh, individually and together, and they also share with each other the stories that they are uh, telling and that they are role-playing with the products. And that Took a Life is really a way for kids to be creative and to express who they are and what is going on in their life. Uh, And so I think that's at the core of all good uh, role-playing experiences. Yeah, I agree. Do you have a favorite Tokoboka app? It is uh, very, very, very difficult (laughs) to choose. (laughs) Um, I would say uh, that at the moment it is... uh, Toka Life Hospital mm. uh, because it's it is overall the Toka Life uh, series. Uh, but if I was forced to choose one product <laughs> there, it's uh, Toka Life Hospital because of the uh, theme that is a classical theme uh, within play uh, for kids, and then that it's also I think we were it's an illustration of where we were brave of taking on things that happens in the hospital environment uh, that uh, many other companies, uh, I think, would have stayed away from. 
And so that opens up to playing with uh, in a role play environment with areas of the hospital, which uh, might not, you know, always be very uh, giggly and and funny from uh, an adult perspective, but where kids find uh, opportunities Mm -hmm. to explore uh, and discover and really, again, identify like how how they feel when they are in a hospital environment. Yeah, I think I just recently um, read the interview that that was talking about the hospital app and how there was um, there's even an aspect to talk about death and dying within the hospital app. Is that true? Yes. Yeah, it is. I think that's really important. Um, I mean, because you're right that the way that kids learn about the world is through play. And so if we don't give them opportunities to talk about all the different aspects of life, then they can't work through those. I think it's I think it's incredible that you've given them that opportunity. I think that's really a testament to uh, the amazing sort of creative vision uh, that we have at Tokaboka and uh, everyone working on the Toka Life series and pushing the envelope for uh, what we can do within that play pattern. Mm-hmm. My daughter and I were recently in the emergency room and um, had a conversation with the uh, one of the nurses there whose job it is to improve the, exper- the life experience of the children who are in the hospital for any length of time. And she talked about how the parents are frequently asking her if she has app recommendations. And so um, I'm planning to give them a, a list of apps that they can recommend. And Toka Life Hospital will definitely be at the top of the list. Because I think that if you've got kids who especially are spending time in the hospital, whether that's for a couple of hours in the emergency room or whether that's on a longer-term basis, um, I think that being able to actually play through that is just an awesome awesome opportunity and a great use of technology. So thank you very much for for creating that app. No, thank you for putting together the list of recommendations to the hospital. We found that um, that is a uh, one of the many uh, places where... Uh, our products and, and apps in general really helps uh, kids in very special circumstances. And we've also had, we had a, a little while back, we had an organization that works with uh, both kids and adults with disabilities, sharing their experience of how they have used our apps working with uh, with their kids. And it was extraordinary to see just to the extent you can see kids playing with apps that are unable to play with physical toys. And their reaction when they get to participate in play is it's mind-blogging and it's very, very touching. I have a huge smile on my face just visualizing that because um, I, I love that feeling when or that, that look on kids' faces when they have that sense of pure joy that comes from from True Play. Thank you so much um, for talking with us today, Caroline. Was there anything else that you wanted to um, share with us? No, this is a great, uh, this is a, <laughs> thank you very much for taking the time, Carissa. You're welcome. And again, if anybody wants to sign up for their e- your email newsletter, they can do that at tokaboka.com. Yes. And I'll be sure to put a link to that on my App Fairy website too. So uh, thank you very much for talking with us today. Thank you very much. Take care. Uh Oh, guys, I think I hear the. Oh, no. Here she comes again. Hey, everyone, I'm back. 
Uh, hi, Bad App Fairy. You know, we've got a really full episode here today, and I'm not really sure we have any time to talk about what not to look for in an app. Not to look for? What are you talking about? I thought people here wanted to find bad apps. That's why I've been coming on the show and giving my recommendations. Uh, well, no, I think people would really rather spend their time and money on good apps, not on bad ones. You mean I've been coming on here with my recommendations every episode and everyone's just been ignoring my advice? Oh, why am I wasting my time here then? Well, um, I think people are listening to your advice. They're just, uh, doing the opposite of what you suggest. (gasps) You mean they're avoiding all those bad app qualities that I've so carefully chosen? Ah, this is tragic. What a lost opportunity. Fine. Then this will be my last bad app message, and you're all on your own to find the very worst apps you can find without my help. See how far you get doing the opposite of what I am. <laughs> Fine. Maybe if I talk all fancy, you'll finally take me seriously. So, um, for this episode, I'm going to talk about, <clears throat> let's see, extrinsic motivators. <laughs> those are some really big words. But in this case, it really means those apps that use cheering sounds or confetti or exploding stars every time the user gets a right answer. On the one hand, you have app makers like Tokaboka here who don't even have right or wrong answers in their apps. Clearly, they are not going to qualify for my bad app stamp of disapproval. And then there are apps where there are right and wrong answers, but they just reward the user simply by being able to advance to the next level or maybe with a little quiet surprise box to open and receive a new item to play with. And those, you know... Those are also not going to get my bad app stamp of disapproval. Then there are the top baddies in this category who literally have recordings of kids cheering and exploding stars and confetti totally cluttering up the screen every time the kid gets a little answer right. Suddenly, the only reason those kids are trying to get the right answer is to see and hear all that mess or maybe avoid the embarrassing wah-wah sounds of failure. I'd say if you're looking for a bad app, one with confetti and stars might be the bad app you're looking for or it might actually be an okay app, but I like to think of these stars and cheering as a little hint that maybe this app needs some closer examination because it just might be a bad app gem. Okay, well, thanks very much, Bad App Harry. It's been, <clears throat> it's been great having your help with the show. Well, good luck finding bad apps without me. I'm out of here. Bye, Bad App Fairy. Today's episode is kind of a bonus episode, and we get to talk with two different people from Tokaboka. I am really excited to have the opportunity to um, also chat with Peter Carlson, one of Tokaboka's play designers, about their whole process. Thanks so much for taking the time to talk to us today, Peter. Oh, you're very welcome. I'm really glad to be on. Can you tell me a little bit about um, Tokaboka's technique for developing an app from sort of just a general concept into something that kids can actually play on the screen? Like, how does that work? Is there a consistent process each time or does each app develop organically unique? Um, tell us a little bit about that. Uh, so basically, I would, I would like to talk about like there's this sort of like a concept phase maybe and the pre-production phase and the... Uh, and the production phase, but um, but if I would start, I would say 
just these bigger blocks that are always happening again and again is that you always start with a vision for something. So it could be the vision of let's make an app that is where you can cut hair or it could be like an app where you do food or it could be like the Tokyo Live series that I work with and an app where you can role play about everyday life. I mean, the vision can of, be, of course be much more granular and big and whatever, but it's basically like you just, you just you have to start with this idea that sort of, and then build from that. And then, then you go on into more like creating a concept out of this. So, so let's say, as I work with the Tokyo Live series, we, that is, what, well, how should this work? Well, maybe you have some figures and they have homes and maybe you have also like this overview map and these houses where you can put the figures in and transport them on this map between different locations and then maybe also like more talking about the theme so is this an app about a hospital okay so the concept could also describe like well it's an hospital it's a kid's ward it's it's this and that but but still it's it's still a, i mean it's more concrete than the than the vision of course more describing what this actually could be and then, of course, all of these stages are like the vision and the, the concept, etc. is uh, in different, depending on which team it is, it's signed off by different stakeholders. Um, so, so, you know, like, okay, so we have an, on my, as a play designer, I have approval from maybe a creative director or someone to, to move on to the next, uh, next stage. Um, like depending on what you're doing, uh, the concept could also be more in sort of like a pre-production phase that includes building prototypes. It could be paper prototypes, etc. Uh, when you work with uh, an app that is in a series, like I do, you don't need to prototype as much because we know, like kids already know, we we already know that kids understand sort of like the basic interactions of this app. Of course, if you introduce new things, that needs to be tested. But the core things work. The, the core things, um, yeah, the, we know that the core things are in place. Uh, we differently would be like make as an example an app like Token Blocks or Nature or something. Uh, first time you make it, and it's this has yeah like Token Blocks where you build these incredible worlds with square blocks that sticks to each other, then you of course need to test early prototypes and see, does this work? Is this understandable? And then move on from there. Did you say that some of the prototypes that you make are actually paper prototypes? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, it depends uh, on what you're doing. Uh, sometimes different different methods are used. I mean, absolutely. One method can definitely be paper prototypes. And it's there are some beautiful examples that I think you can see online of um, where Chris Lindgren talks about how they made Tokaboo, which is an app about like you're this girl who <laughs> likes to scare her family dressed up as a ghost, <laughs> uh, and how you like hide between. And then you have that on paper before it's yeah before it's anything else, and playing out with kids. I mean, basically you the adult or whatever <laughs> the designer. You, you are sort of the computer and then the kid plays around with these figures and then you have to sort of create the interaction. That's or so as cool. I have done, like in Toka, in Toka, it is also very simple. Yeah. <laughs> but in, I mean, it's very basic of, of game. That's, I mean, if you have worked with game design before, but it's a very classic thing to do in game mm -hmm. design that you just make the stuff in paper. Like basics of game design is they should always test as much as you possibly can. 
because you will always learn things. And the big difference for us making apps for kids is that, well, we surely should play the apps ourselves and test them ourselves, but we won't see the same things our kids. So of course you can test on paper. I mean, I did that. There is a secret lab in the basement of the hospital and and just seeing, I mean, just doing very simple things, even if that's on paper and they find in this, on this paper that I put out in front of them, like basically the whole location is already drawn, but it's not put in the app yet. And they look at it and they play with it, but with paper figures on top. And then I ask them about how they, how the interaction is and, and stuff like that. And maybe inviting them to tap on one of the buttons, even if, even if this is just on paper. And then when they did that, I just put a whole new block of paper next to it, like unraveling this secret lab and just seeing if, because this was going to happen in the app, like when you have unlocked the puzzle, then this new complete location unlocks. And the whole idea of that was like, this will hopefully create excitement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and when we did it even on paper, they were like, what is this? <laughs> so then we knew like, if, if this happens in the app, kids will be like more amazed than this. So it all depends on uh, on the, on what you're doing. Like right. if you do, a, if your whole idea is to do a very advanced uh, 3D game, uh, then it's really hard to make it on paper. Right. Well, and I've I've talked to app designers who um, say one of the struggles that they have with when they're trying to do playtesting with kids is that they had to get the app um, developed to a certain point before they can even try testing it with kids. And I really like this idea oh, oh, of yeah. just saying oh, like, yeah. no, let's just like, don't even, don't even work on the like programming part of it. Just cut it out in paper and see if the concept works first. I think that's a great idea. Oh, definitely. I mean, but this, this depends. And uh, when you try it with paper, like one, one thing I also, I think is really, really important to do is like, okay, so we have drawn the scene mm-hmm. um, and well, just and then we like we have drawn the the stalls of the stable app where the horses are, but we remove all the horses and everything, and then we just show them this this location printed out mm-hmm. in front of them, mm-hmm. and then I just ask them like, where do you think this is? And if they are somewhat familiar with that stalls exist, hopefully they will say yes. But if they're like horse lovers. And don't agree that this looks like stalls. If that's not what they're like instantly saying, right. then we have failed. Right, right, right. In this early phase, some some other things we do. Uh, you can play with other stuff. It could even be apps. I haven't done. I haven't done a lot of like playing competitors. Competitors apps. I know a lot of people who have played my apps <laughs> at other <laughs> companies. I'm not, and that's not. I mean, it's just for inspiration and see what themes works and and how people are. Just to learn, like, how, how are kids interacting with this type of interaction? There's nothing wrong with that. Um, also, what we have done a lot is playing with... So I work with this with Token Life, who is, like, basically a playset, but in uh, digital form. Mm-hmm. And, and then we have played a lot with, like, dollhouses and Playmobil and stuff like that to see, okay, so we have a, we're going to make an app about the hospital. Okay, then we, then we have a... A big like hospital Playmobil set mm-hmm. and see if how how are kids interacting with this? How are kids? Wh- what types of stories are interesting? And and sometimes we learn very little, and sometimes we learn a lot of things. Uh, like this, we had this uh, really nice learning when we uh, were going to make a vacation app, going like going in an airplane, going to a hotel on the beach and whatever in some warm country. 
And um, uh, the, the thing we, we grasped at our few play sessions with kids was that you, were, you always went on, on vacation with your family. I mean, even when playing, that, mm. was, that was important. Like, oh, this is a family, they're going on vacation. So, so that was something we kept and then we included like different kinds of families, mm -hmm. uh, like single parent or whatever. Uh, so this, but, but, but it's also really fun to do this early type of testing because it's, it's very different from when you have your own prototype, when, when this is more like inspiration or finding like uh, very vague <laughs> points you're really like you can't guarantee that you will get any like this big eureka moment or finding it's just more like exploratory even for us but it's really nice so then to continue like then let's say you can build a digital prototype then mm -hmm. you build a digital prototype like preferably as soon as possible when we made the horse the stable app then we made a prototype early prototype of like okay so there's a new interaction of how to ride on horses so then we just need to make a new this we haven't horses we haven't had horses before so we need to make a quick design of a horse and how that technically will work and then we maybe we don't have anything else in the app than a few horses uh, and saddles and some characters and quite the locations are quite empty otherwise because we, we don't even have the graphics for it we we just we have we put in those things we test that as early as possible to see is this understandable sometimes it be, the answer would be from your observation, like, no, it's not, they're not getting this at all. In this case with the horses, that was one of the occasions when we had tested stuff and it was just instantly very rare, felt very natural. Like, okay, it's a horse, what are you doing with it? And not, this is not asking the kids what they're doing, because that's, I, 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 when I talked about the paper plate testing and stuff, asking them questions, that, of course, something we do. But in general, when we test digital, we uh, we always observe much more than talking and preferably not ask any questions or stuff or giving them any goals what they should do just giving them the app and letting them play so in the instance of this horse thing trying to see okay we are introducing horses and we're doing an app about horses it better work right 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 <laughs> we really need to figure this stuff out here and just saying like okay it's a horse and you have a character and they, what the first thing they do is like they drag the character on the horse. And then they drag the horse to move the horse around with the character on top. And it just was very natural. And there's a saddle on the ground. And then they take the saddle and put it on the horse. I mean, it's just, that, is, <laughs> that, is very, like, <laughs> that is a very happy moment as a designer. <laughs> I hear in the words that you're saying that you guys really understand the importance of letting kids um, sort of get lost in the flow of play without any um, adults directing them or telling them what to do or any of that, because that's really where the true play comes from. And I, that's one of the things mm. that I really, really appreciate about Tokoboka apps is that I feel like it's apparent in the design of your apps that this is something that you pay attention to and that you value highly. I think one of the, um, like in the, in the DNA of Tokoboka, so to say, that is, I don't know, like, I don't feel this is like this untold secret. It was just one of these, one of these few things that I've, when I started, I'm like, wait, this is really one of those core things. And it's just, it's just that you have to test with kids. And if the kids are liking it, then it's good. And if not, then you're, you're off. Like, then you're doing something wrong. And, and it, this might sound like so obvious, but when you see some of the stuff out on the market for kids, then you're like, this who to test this and I'm like I'm, I'm new in the business I'm like I can't 
I, I'm, I'm just happy to be on board on this ship now and just like understand like, okay, this, this is the idea. But, but, it, but the thing is like that has been the case from the start. Yeah. Um, that, that it needs to work. It, I mean, well, this is also sort of obvious. Like if you're designing for adults or teens or older people, etc., the stuff needs to work for your audience. It's like that's, that's kind of clear. But in, in this case, it's like, well, test it with kids. If they <laughs> laugh, it's probably good. Right. <laughs> and if you're angry because this hat doesn't fit on this smaller character and they're super annoyed by it, you should probably change that. Of course, like you see some things bad, you should change it, make sure it, you test it again. Did it work better or worse now? And then you come on, go on. And then, so that's like, you have good, bad, and then you have my uh, my favorite one, which is I'm actually la- lying on the floor laughing <laughs> because the kids are. And it's like this is a big part of the reason why I come to work. So I just, like one of the stories is like when we did this stable app and these two like really horse-loving kids, they were just like first times trying out to play with the horses in the app and they're like we, we when you move the characters in the scene without the horses they like they move in a certain like screen follows scrolling in a certain speed mm-hmm. but when you're on a horse or a bike or something it scrolls much faster so and then both kids had like they were playing on the same ipad both had a horse each and like dragging in like super speed to <laughs> one was dragging to the left one was dragging to the right and <laughs> sort of the first one who dragged and the other one like automatically followed and they were sort of fighting, but they were fighting like giggling and right. then hysterically laughing. And me and Chris, who joined that session, we were just like, we were like, I couldn't stand up because they were having so much fun and I was having so much fun. I mean, in one way, we know we can be very like pragmatic about it and like, now we know this will be a product that will work. But I mean, that's not, that's not really what I care about. I care about this, like, is this wholesome and fun? And clearly, Apparently, we, this was also unexpected, like that specifically this would be as fun, but it was. And, and it's just like, I mean, I can't help like really just smiling, sharing the story with you now, because that's like, <laughs> this, is, this is really why I go to work. I, I totally get what you're saying, because those magic moments, those are what I look for when I am testing an app too. Like if I find a new app in the app store and I want to try it out with my kids, those magic moments, that's what I look for. And so I think it's awesome that you guys are looking for that before you've even released it into the app store. That means that you're doing something right, I think. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk us about that whole process that you guys go through and about the just the underlying um, philosophy that really threads through everything that you guys put out and yeah i, really I mean this was that. this was a very simplified version i would say oh absolutely <laughs> I mean, it goes more into it than that and i mean the i, I just want to point that out that it's like it's it's easy for me to talk about like i'm one of the one of the people like maybe carrying the idea and looking looking for the that the app should be include this from the start and making sure that it actually works and has all these components in the end but i mean without animators or like artists uh, like the artists doing the illustration and the developers and the producer in the team everyone is I don't know like I spoke to people of this I don't know how unique it is but we have a very like we have a very open environment within the team that everyone is able to lay forward their ideas might be interaction feature or 
could we have this kind of character? Could it be this smooth? Like every like everyone is so involved in creating this together. Like everyone is caring about this sort of baby or whatever yeah, yeah, yeah. making together. Uh, so like it's it's never it's never one person's job. And of course, everyone is like making their their own piece of the puzzle. But even more importantly, you have to have people in a culture that is like creative and fun and people who want to work with each other mm-hmm. uh, to, to create like something bigger. Uh, yeah, I just, that needs to be said as well. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. Um, and I think that when you can create that culture in your workplace um, that really thrives on joy, then you're on the right track. So um, did you have any other last little bits you wanted to add? I, yeah, I, I do want to add something. I was just that. <laughs> okay, sidetracking. That's fine. I was just. Uh, I just spent the weekend in Helsinki together with uh, our sort of kid main kids uh, kids and play researcher Chris Lindgren and another play designer play director subtitled now Willow Melbrett mm-hmm. um, for an amazing event called like Designing for Children Guide and it's available at childrensdesignguide.org mm. uh, and it was about eighty people from many parts of the world, mainly Europe and US, uh, interaction designers, experts in psychology, many, many things, and and, and also designers, both uh, non-digital and digital designers. And everyone just came together uh, for this weekend in Helsinki to create uh, guidelines uh, to, um, uh, to create better designs for, uh, for kids. But but not only like just guidelines. It's it, this was everything was based upon the like the UN children's rights and ethics. So so everything was done um, based on what UNICEF stands for. The, the event was also created together with UNICEF. Mm-hmm. So on Sunday we came on Friday and on Sunday we left. Then um, with everything we had done published on this website childrensdesideguide.org. Uh, so there you can find like 10 main principles that are really important and good to think about if you're designing towards kids, may it be um, yeah, digital or non-digital. And then apart from those 10 principles, there's also uh, about 10 principles each in four more areas. Uh, so those areas are like supporting well-being and healthy psychological and cognitive development. Another one was nurturing the child as a social being and citizen. Another one was encouraging self-expression, creativity, learning and play. And the last one was about more like ensuring safety and privacy. So I really encourage you to, to check in and look, look on this. The idea for this is to have more meetups, to engage on Twitter and everywhere on the hashtag, to continue developing these principles. Uh, but it's... Um, but I really encourage people to check them out because I think they were. I learned so much by just participating in this event. Oh my gosh, what a great resource! I look forward to exploring that. It was so fun to talk to you. It was really, really fun. <laughs> I'm. I always. I always get really excited when talk, remembering the stuff from work that is like most fun. So that was one of these moments. Good. I'm so glad that you enjoyed it because I enjoyed hearing about it. Um, it's always my favorite to hear about designers that. Um, 
that really care about looking for those magic golden moments um, when designing for kids. So thank you so much for talking with us today, Petter. And um, I look forward to seeing what Tokoboka comes out with next. Thank you so much. Thank you. A quick announcement. This will be the last App Fairy podcast for this season. We're going to take some time to evaluate how this project has been going and whether we want to continue to create more episodes. So if you love this podcast and want to hear more interviews with high quality app makers, please take a moment to fill out our survey at www.appfairy.org slash survey. It will really mean the world to us to hear from listeners. And as a thank you, I will personally mail you a package of awesome app maker and app fairy swag to everyone who fills out the survey for as long as supplies last. And I've got a nice stash sitting in my office waiting to be mailed out to some lucky viewers. I've got postcards, I've got pencils, I've got stickers, such cute stickers. So go ahead and fill out the survey and I'll mail you some awesome prizes. I'm sure that you'll love the swag, but even more, you'll love being able to help the app fairy decide whether or not we will continue to make more episodes. Thanks so much. Your feedback would be much appreciated. One more quick note. I am a member of a group of podcasters for children called Kids Listen. If you love the app fairy and you'd like to discover more great podcasts for kids and families, be sure to check out their webpage or download their free app at www.kidslisten.org. The App Fairy Podcast is a production of the Madison Public Library and is sponsored by the Heising Simons Foundation and the Joan Gans Cooney Center, a nonprofit research and innovation lab dedicated to advancing children's learning in a digital age. Visit cooneycenter.org for more information about the work they do. If you'd like more information about the podcast, check out our website at www.appfairy.org and be sure to check out our survey. Also on the website, you can find lots of goodies about this episode and about Toka Boca, and I think that you'll really like them. A big thanks to Audrey Martinovich, our audio engineer, David Seste, who created our theme music, and Hannah Sandvold, who designed our fantastic artwork and brought the App Fairy to life. My name is Carissa Kristner. Thanks so much for listening. Everybody, thanks for listening all the way till the end of this podcast because now, of course, you get to hear about this episode's hidden gem. And this one is The White Book by Minnie Bombo. That's M I N I B O M B O, Minnie Bombo. This is one of my favorite apps for even the youngest app users. It's based on a book of the same name. It's called The White Book. And the app invites kids to scribble all over a white screen with different colors of digital paint just using their fingers. And when they do, the white outline of an animal will magically appear, like mystery writing with lemon juice. Once the screen has been more or less completely colored, the animal comes to life with a funny little animation that eventually helps the animal to walk off the screen, making another white canvas to paint on and discover a whole new animal. The action is entertaining enough for preschool kids and it's entertaining enough to keep parents from getting too bored. And the painting action is simple enough for even a really young toddler to manage. I really love how the actions in this app help move the story forward, but you don't have to choose paints in any particular order. You can choose whichever ones you like. You can even use the same color of paint over and over and over and get the same animal result if you really love that particular color or that particular animal. The design of this app is really clean and modern, and if you love the app, be sure to check out the book, 
The White Book, and also other titles by the Mini Bombo Publisher. They do really awesome books for little kids, too. So I hope you enjoy this hidden gem. Thanks for listening. Goodbye.